It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill, which is great for the calf muscles. But when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbor's pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about. And from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry. Be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. Welcome to Blood and Mud Podcast, the podcast that this week wishes it covered cricket. I mean, we'd have a hell of a lot more to talk we about. We'd have a hell of a lot more to talk about, wouldn't we? two warm-up games, let's face it. I mean, this podcast would be seven hours long if we were if we taking could you through every minute that. of that. Yes. Yeah, every minute of that Sunday test. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was good, wasn't it? It was, it was tense. I'll tell you what, I was yeah. pacing around my living room for the last 40 minutes of it, I think. I don't blame you. I was watching... I got to the gym just as lunch ended, and I hadn't seen the score all morning, and I sort of looked at the score and was like, oh, hang on, this is on. And then by the time I'd sort of finished on the treadmill, they'd lost four wickets, and I stopped looking at it then and just assumed that it was going to yes. be awful. And then I, I sort of checked back in later in the afternoon, and I was like, hang on, they've only got... They've only got sixty runs to go here. This, I mean, it's unlikely, but it could happen. I and was then, yeah, yeah, remarkable sport. Yeah, I was in my garage building a bench, and like every time I like turn the saw on, like <laughs> I could hear I had the radio on, and somebody I could hear the noise, and you're thinking, shit, I got to get to the end of this sawing motion, and I'll find out what's just happened. Oh shit, it's another wicket for fuck's sake, sort of thing. <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, yeah, incredible stuff. So anyway, I am Lee, as you know, and over there that gentleman is. Uh, Josh Gardner, yeah, I remain just about. And he's completely on the ball and ready to go, as you can tell, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm just really hot, to be honest with you. It's very, yeah, it's really not too bad here, but where you are, it's very, very warm, isn't it? It's it's muggy. Is muggy, the worst. close. And I, I'm not somebody that uh, 
that deals well with humidity. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> ah, it's close, isn't it, lad? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyway, close. if you want to get in touch with us and tell us how muggy it is where you live or not, then you can mm. get in touch with me yeah, at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. And what about you, Josh? People must know this by now, but uh, tell them anyway. Yeah, at Josh Gardner, at Rugby Shirt Watch, at Rugby Shirt and RugbyShirtWatch.com. Um, some people enjoy my tweets some people really don't as we've discovered this week um <laughs> i don't want to talk about that because it would give him some oxygen but it was the, the i'm not fu- going to talk about it on air no, it, is, it was very it very funny. funny anyway yeah so yeah. Uh, we're on acast we're on apple podcast we're also on patreon yeah uh thank you to everybody who contributes there that's patreon.com slash blood and mud you can come and help support us there with giving over a little just a little tiny bit of, of money to support us and then you get loads of additional episodes. I think I, I haven't counted, but I think we must be up to about 30 additional episodes on the Patreon now. That's a combination of rugby history podcasts with the incomparable Tony Collins, who's Indeed. amazing, who makes us look completely stupid. Um, there's then loads of retro stuff about um, old World Cups and Lions tours and stuff. We did the, the Wales Rebel seasons on there, isn't it? We did. Uh, we did some some very enjoyable uh, general Q and A nonsense. We did do list of Q and As. They're they're worth yeah. listening to. Yeah, some, not yeah. entirely about rugby. And we also did a review of that Irish documentary. Not shoulder to shoulder. Oh yeah, we did do that that time. At like yeah, eleven yeah, o'clock yeah. at night on a Friday, because that's how fucking baller we are. <laughs> Why did we do that in the end? Oh, God, did we do, I, it I, was I, fun it, though, wasn't it? It was fun. Yeah, yeah. It was weird podcasting at like nearly midnight on a Friday both from an existential why are we here point of view and also just because we were quite tired. <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, so, uh, I mean, in the words of Supertramp, uh, if you give a little bit, give a little bit of your love to us, uh, you can... I don't know why I went there, but I yeah. I don't know you why you went there. I don't think Supertramp's going to yeah. help, I'll be honest. No. <laughs> well. um, when has Supertramp ever helped? <laughs> think about that. Answers on Answers. Answers on <laughs> you on can tweet us. When has Supertramp ever helped? <laughs> Anyway, as you know, people can do the $2 thing. And then also we, there are some people who want to give a bit more love than that because they want to come into the yeah. VIP area of the Alley Brew Lounge. And this week, I'd like to throw a huge thank you out to Scott Donald, okay, who's decided to come into the VIP so, Lounge and give us that food. extra bit of support. I mean, let's face it. They're really special, those people. Gen- like, genuinely, we take the piss all the time. But yeah. the people who say, you know what, I'm going to pay... A little bit more money, yes, for no for no benefit other than just to say thank bet, you. Yeah, yeah, it's weirdly humbling. I mean, I don't use the word hero very often, but I think they are the greatest heroes in the history of of Western society. They are yeah, basically absolutely. the Jeremy Guscott drop goal in nineteen ninety seven of people. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. I mean, firemen, ambulance drivers, and uh, nurses, and those people. That reminds yeah. me of when. Uh, do you remember the AA used to have a advertising campaign and it said to our members we're the fourth emergency service emergency service remember yes. that? and i remember my my, my auntie <laughs> saying i bet the bloody coast guard are going mad about this advert <laughs> <laughs> the thing is she had a point um anyway we start as we always start to play a spotted daniel mm. gets in touch on the dms because the dms are open you can slide in there of course he says i've got a player spotted for you well, that's what we asked you to send in, Daniel. I mean, it's so it's good, a good start, isn't it? Great start. He said, uh, yeah. I was on holiday in Croatia recently. I want to go to Croatia. I've not been. Have you been, Josh? Uh, I haven't. My wife has been. She says very nice. When I was flying uh, back from Greece yeah. this year, 
it was a very clear day and I was looking out the window as you do. Well, as I do, because mm. I'm a loser. I was looking out the window and I went, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that landmass down? Oh, what's that inlet formation there? Then as soon as I got home, of course, I then got Google Maps out trying to trace the flight path. Of course. And it, it turns out it was Dubrovnik. And then just down the coast from there is the Bay of Kotor. The Bay from of Kotor, accounts, which is in Dubrovnik Montenegro, which looks fucking place. lovely. Yeah. Honestly, the beaches, the architecture, it's... The bullet holes yeah, from the wall, bloody... they've got everything. Yeah, I mean, they've got all that shit. And uh, yeah, it looks bloody lovely. I'd like to go. So Daniel's already been, as, as we've established. He was in Croatia, and he said, a lovely family place, kids' pool, tiny slides, coloured mushroom things that spout water. Yeah, we've all been there, Daniel. Um, he said, I have. Oh, tell you what, <laughs> you love them, but Christ, it's hard work. You just spend two weeks basically trying to stop them killing themselves when they're that age. It's a uh, because all of your like home protection is gone. They're in this vast yeah. open space of death. Anyway, <laughs> he said it was that kind of thing. I'm guarding yeah. some sunbeds at eight a.m. Fuck me. Oh, yeah, we've yeah. all been there as well, haven't we? The half seven sunbed <laughs> run. And he said, and Dan Cole ambles past. Hello. And says, I'm having that fucking sunbed, pal. No, he doesn't. But you wouldn't be surprised if he did. He said, um, he was looking extremely pale and ready to burn. But credit to him, he was out with, I assume, his son for large chunks of the day and playing with him. And he was rocking some extremely bright oddballs rugby shorts. I mean, fair play to him for a variety of reasons there. Um, I, I do enjoy pale rugby players just stubbornly refusing mm. to in any way acknowledge what they are. There were some great shots from the uh, the Wales training camp in Turkey this week of, I mean, obviously it's about 50 degrees or something out there, yes. and they just kept posting photos of Reese Patchell going up to the sun cream station. <laughs> Which I mean, Poor yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he was. You'd imagine he'd still be one of those things like the like three year olds wear, you know, those kind of like all in one swimsuits that they have to wear all day, <laughs> like that you get from the flip flop shop. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, so I think yeah, Dan Cole does look like he hasn't got a skin tone to deal with the heat, doesn't he? Absolutely not. No, no, no. He's uh, he's he's a pale man with blonde hair, and that's a bad combination. I imagine he fits in right so, there because it's the old former Eastern Bloc, isn't it? The, the, yeah, and he, he so, has got a very sort of a Soviet sort of visage, hasn't he? I mean, you, you could put him in, you know, a commandant's hat and see him, you know, commanding people through a wall. He'd have been high-ranking in Marshal Tito's uh, army. Absolutely, he? he would have, yeah. And before anyone gets in touch, I know that Yugoslavia were part of the non-aligned movement, not aligned with the Soviet <laughs> Union. So, all right, don't be pulling that shit on me because I'm way fucking ahead of you, all right? Anyway... So thank you very much. If you've got a player spotted like Daniel to send in, then and you want some holiday tips or something, then you can send that into leeupbloodandwood.com or the DMs. Josh doesn't deal with this admin. Don't even bother. So Absolutely not. No, yeah, get out. Right then, should we have some news? Uh, yes, lots of news, lots of squads, lots of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we think South Africa have put a, pod out, a squad out, don't we? But we can't be sure. Um yeah, nobody can read the fucking thing, but apparently <laughs> there was a squad named Denos in it. Doesn't matter who he does it, can't you know? I know that Sia um, Khaleesi's in it because the, his name was in white, and there's obviously only one captain, so I couldn't read it, but I just deduced that that was his name. <laughs> if anyone's not seen um, this, they wrote they've written all the names vertically and back to front, which I'm assuming yeah. is an homage. We think it's an homage to Japanese writing, do we? 
which is very on the nose and a little bit offensive, but you know, uh, baby steps with that country, isn't it? Let's be I honest. mean, there's well, yeah, and let's be honest, it's not the last tone deaf, racially insensitive Japanese thing that we're going to see before the end of this Rugby World Cup, one way or another. Was I'm it... intrigued to see what Matt Dawson does with a betting company this time around, you know. Oh, hang on, I've, I, I don't remember this one. Remind me what do you it not was. Remember, do you not remember the Hacker Rainer last time? Oh, Christ, yes, I do now, yes. Yeah, you do, yeah, you do. Uh, I, I can only assume he's going to be, you know, dressed up like a geisha, which, I mean, I will remember... enjoy it from a purely aesthetic <laughs> level, but... Do you remember uh, when the World Cup, the Rugby Football World Cup in Korea, Japan... 2002, when DHL had that advertising campaign where it kept showing people pulling their eyes right, outwards. Yeah. Oh, God, it was a very different time, even though but it was only is, It fucking wasn't. How did that <laughs> get was. through compliance, exactly. for fuck's sake? Anyway, yeah. sorry, we have one. So anyway, uh, yeah, yes. South Africa squad's been hey. named. Yes, Australia squad has been named as well. Um, the big news in that, of course, is that David Pocock is in it, despite um, being injured. Is in it, yes, and uh, Will Skelton is not, which conveniently a day later he then signs a new Saracens deal. So yeah, I think didn't want to fucking two... play for you anyway. Did you? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's not a great deal of surprises in any of the squads, really. Um, it's yeah, I think they're both quite good squads. They look quite balanced. Pokoff being in there for the Aussies is big. But he's barely played rugby in about a year, you know. It's he's a machine of a human being, and we all know that I love him dearly. But will he be able to get match sharp by a month? Time shall tell, I suppose. But uh, it's a big gamble. Certainly. I think it's going to be his last one to play in, isn't it? If he can, absolutely. So yeah. You would I hope mean, he was... can get for for the sake of rugby to be the winner. You know, you'd want him there, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I'd like him to go out with the World Cup and. You know, not with an actual World Cup in his hands, but um, well, yeah, to, to to have one last run out on the big stage is, is the least he deserves, I think. Uh, and, to be honest with you, uh, the thing that shocked me more than anything else was that Adam Ashley Cooper is still somehow alive and going. Yeah, so it's remarkable, isn't it? I can't I can't work out whether it says something about his talent or the pool of talent that Australia have to pick from. Well, I think it says a lot more about that, to be honest. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. He's thirty. He's thirty-five now. Spent most of the last three years playing in, in Japan. He's, and yet, here we are. You know, good, great player in his day. Same with Will Genia, to be honest. It's like fucking hell. Yeah. And everybody else has moved on from that by now. But uh, yeah, an interesting, a backs division that would have been brilliant in twenty fifteen. I think. Adam Ashley Cooper, Kirtley Beal, Genia. <laughs> Yes. Foley, James O'Connor, Tamua, Lilia Fano, Nick White. It's like, but yeah, interested to see how they get on four years down the line. They surprised everyone um, a little bit last time, didn't they? So it's not beyond them. Well, yeah, they got their shit. They usually will get their shit together by the time the World Cup starts. It would not surprise me if they're decent in the World Cup um, and probably do better than a lot of people are expecting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, other news? Jim um, Mallander's off to Scotland. Yes, he is, which is just delightful. Although it does take him even further away from Harry. It does, it. doesn't it? It does. Maybe he's just given up now, I think. I think he's thought, sod it. If you, you know, you know where I am. I can't, I can't put myself through this no more. 
he thought to himself probably. It does mean now that the RFU once again finds itself in the position where it has nobody to coach its under-20s or academy teams. Um, because... It always staggers me that, it, that an organisation that brings out a fucking business and sports strategy seemingly every eight months yeah, yeah. has no contingency planning or anything in place for stuff like this. It's really, really strange. I think it, it, it says a lot about what's going on behind the scenes at the RFU that, that it, yeah, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of desire for people to join the England and RFU setup, which is mad. And with the greatest respect to Scotland, for somebody like Jim Mander to go, no, I'll go to Scotland and become performance director. Instead of, you know, he was in charge of England. I mean, not real England, but an England yes. team like two months ago. And you think as a, from a player fact, development point of view, England must be a really good offer. I'm yeah. not saying Scotland is not is a bad offer. It's not a binary thing. I'm just saying... Should, that, England should be the best It should offer be the... Apart from New Zealand, got, maybe. It should be the pinnacle of, yeah. of what you're looking for, shouldn't it? Yeah, in terms of resource, in terms of the number of players you've got access to, the structure that's in place, it should be better than anybody. And yet, yeah, now they've got this age-grade coaching, coaching crisis. Ah, crisis. Fuck me. Um, Dean Ryan obviously fucked off to the Dragons a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Bates left. Uh, what you call it, Fletcher and Walton were sacked last year. Um, so there's, there's literally nobody left. It's... You have to wonder when that many people all disappear. What, what, like you say, what is there's something rotten in the state of Denmark, isn't there? Something rotten in the state of yeah. England, that sort of thing. Because you mean, know, work, healthy workplaces don't have people fucking off all the time, do they? Yeah. To, have you watched that documentary on Netflix yet? The uh, the the American Factory one. Mm. That's uh, no, I have not. About a, it's very very good. It's about um, a Chinese automotive glass company that uh, that set up a factory in. Dayton, Ohio, um, and basically the trials and travails of them trying to get American workers to work like Chinese workers. <laughs> like Chinese and, workers do, yeah. yeah, and equally American people trying to work with Chinese people with incredibly sketchy health and safety, uh, massive anti-labor practices, all this sort of stuff. And yeah, they like they were, they were talking about like there was a five thousand people in the plant and like they they've turned over like three thousand since it opened, and it's like that's not a that's not a ringing endorsement, is it? No. And equally, when every single one of your coach the coaches leave within a twelve month period, that's not a great indictment of either Bill Sweeney or Eddie Jones or possibly both. It's one of them anyway. <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> whatever it is, there, it ain't good, good. Basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got any more news? Um, well, speaking of it ain't good, uh, Alfred Dianti has uh, failed. Uh, a, well, I don't know. It's a drugs test. He's he's triggered a banned substance uh, issue with yeah. a, a piss test that he took back in June. Uh, he's strenuously denying it uh, and wants to get his. Because only innocent uh, people get caught in drug tests. Yeah. And wants to get his B sample checked. Um, but, I mean, I hope, I genuinely hope that his B sample comes back negative because, what, he's a very good player. He was Breakthrough Player of the Year yeah. for World Rugby last year. Um, and as you, but as you say, though, at the same time, it's shocking 
because so few players seem to get caught mm. with it. When you when you look at other sports that ironically have much, you know, you look at American sports that have dramatically less serious for like PED punishments. People are getting suspended left, right, and centre for that shit. In in baseball, right? They've got a thing on the. They've got a bit of a crisis at the moment because of how many players are failing drugs tests because they're buying fucking over the well sex drive enhancement pills that they sell in like condom machines, and so they've had to come out to do a bit of a PSA to like you know these are professional fucking millionaire athletes and say to them, please stop buying sex enhancement pills from petrol stations and shit pubs because you're professional athletes. You don't need that to pull women. Um, yeah, it's just, but like that sort of shit, how does that not go on in rugby and other sports? It's, it's very strange, really. Let's leave it at that. But um, yeah, slightly worrying for... Yes. For rugby, uh, and yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And also, Eben Etzebeth's apparently been accused of beating up a homeless man uh, in South Africa, which is delightful. And he's vehemently denied everything. But um, yeah, it's been a brilliant week for the Springboks and um, off the field stuff, basically. It's a weirdly specific sort of accusation, that isn't it? Yeah, because you know, yeah. what I mean? can you know well, what I mean? It's quite, it's 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 almost too odd to be. He denies it, so. Let's, you know, yeah. assume that innocence will prove guilty and all that stuff. And that's fine. But it's weirdly specific because normally it's like I was in a bar and randomly we got into a fight and, you know, he started it or whatever. Whereas, yeah. you know, I, a homeless person, I'm, I haven't read the details of it. So if he's beating some bloke up on the street, it was homeless. That is a really, really strangely specific sort of yeah. accusation. No, well, basically he was out at a bar, but he was out at a bar with like his girlfriend, his family and like their girlfriends. And then apparently there was some sort of altercation in the car park outside right. and a homeless man ended up getting beaten up. Um, and there was, there's some allegations of some, uh, racial slurs thrown in there as well. So, um, yeah. Right. If it has we'll happened, though, police... if it has happened, right. Can I just say all fucking respect this homeless guy for having a fucking go. <laughs> because if I was presented with brothers. that, and <laughs> Who I imagine are not small. Yeah, so you got the Exabeth fucking family there who probably yeah. look like Mount Rushmore with articulating <laughs> limbs. And basically you think, fuck it, I'm going to have a bang here. You know, yeah. so I'm are not you, saying you know, it's right or seen... if it's happened, but... No, but have you seen the dumbbells that Eben Exabeth fucking curls? What are you thinking? Yeah. Six foot seven, 19 stone. <laughs> Like, plus brothers plus brothers yeah like terrifying stuff i mean what are you saying? <laughs> um but yeah uh the police are investigating yeah. again he, so let's let's he we assume he, you know it. we presume he hasn't done it until we're proven otherwise absolutely but yeah but it, at the same time it's just kind of like for fuck's sake they south africa cannot catch a break at the moment <laughs> any more news uh no i think that's it for news at the moment okie doke yeah I'm amused out. Let's talk about the weekend's uh, uh, very important and incredibly indicative matches, shall we? Maybe well, yeah, away I mean, one of the things what I've learned is that people are drawing more conclusions from warm-up games than I ever remember them doing like four years ago. I'm I pretty think this sure. is what happened. Sorry, go on. 
like maybe it's because we weren't doing a podcast every week, so I could sort of just tune <laughs> yes, it true. out. Yeah, we started but just like, semi-finals of the last World Cup, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure people weren't getting this het up both negatively or positively four years ago. And like like someone on the weekend said that Kyle Sinclair confirmed, it was a telegraph actually, confirmed his place as the world's best tight end. Seriously? He played really fucking well, but we're six months out from him basically having to be removed from the Wales game because he was a liability. And you're, if you're making that sort of claim after a warm-up game, Against a team that you have no idea where they are in their, like yeah. you're a moron, you're insane. You're like, in, I don't, is it? A, you're in sorry, publishing, no. right? You're in publishing, aren't yeah. you? So, have yeah. you noticed that there's been more playing up to the social media gallery in? I can't say in the, your publication, in publishing generally, in the past five years, because I get well, the feeling that it that it has got worse. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, is it a symptom of what journalism and indeed sport in general has become, which is a desperate search for the most smoking hot and hysterical take? Especially in that... silly season, remember? There's no other like proper sport, yeah. like rugby sport going on, like, is there? People who should really know better, you know, proper broadsheet newspaper journalists, like, they should know that nobody is as bad or as good as they're showing at the moment. Yes. And, like, while having a good set of warm-up games is vastly preferable to not, like, I don't, I'm sure we didn't make such hair-trigger assumptions before. It's It's got stupidly out of hand. And you can understand it maybe after the first week because people have kind of forgotten what this is because the hype around yeah. them presents yeah. them as proper international test matches, doesn't yeah. it? And even when what you see in front of you blatantly isn't, all the pundits keep telling you how it's a proper test match yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I can understand that in the first week. But then when you see the second week and you go, oh, the results have completely fucking turned around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like there's two like... different tides out there. There is something about can't you learn from this then that it is slightly different now sort of thing. But no, it doesn't seem yeah, that we do. Like... There, is no, there is no learning it's, by it's experience like, here. Yeah. England have played three games now and they've basically been a big dipper. Really good. Fucking bang average. Yeah, really good yeah. again. Yeah. The reality is, then they're probably somewhere in the middle of that. They're probably a good team. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, Ireland uh, were fucking woeful on Saturday. Like, like... well, that's it. That's it. Yeah. While I don't want to say we shouldn't take massive assumptions from warm-up games, I would be worried to fuck if I was an Ireland fan. Right but like, now. for example, Ireland were giving England. England's attack looked great, right? Love actually, genuinely. I'm quite excited by how, you know, what it promised. However, it's Ireland were giving England a full 10 metres to run in every single time they had the ball. I know Andy Farrell comes from a rugby league background, but I don't think that's what he coaches. I don't think he coaches (laughs) his defensive line to be 10 metres away. Well, that's the thing. Is is Andy Farrell actually still there? Has he taken like an extended break before he takes a, over? A big Twitter thing. All people bemoaning now that Andy Farrell's going to be the coach after the World Cup because of that performance on Saturday. It's well, like, thing, honestly, people saying like, "Oh, Joe Schmidt's a disgrace." You know, it's like, and I get it because when you look at what Ireland, you know, Ireland weren't very good against Italy a couple two weeks ago, no. uh, and then obviously they played very, very badly against Wales in the final game of the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. And obviously at the weekend, they were fucking rancid. Like, that's a bad... And it's been a bad... Like, since they beat the All Blacks, it's gone extremely badly mm. with some occasional all rightness. 
But it's still a fuck. Like they just had that Portugal like uh, conditioning camp. They looked a honestly, mile away. Yeah, that they? must have been a doozy because like you look at, like somebody like you know some of their best players who would normally just be the absolute textbook no better than no worse than a seven out of ten player. CJ Stander, for example, mm. you know he's rarely worse than a seven out of ten, and he looked like. I mean, he just, I couldn't believe how bad, you know, they all looked like they'd been given front and lobotomies before they went on, you know, like they'd never seen a rugby ball before. Yeah, yeah and it's that thing people talk about, all, the, all the, these terrible defensive reads. It's like, but it's really hard to read a defence when you give them 10 metres to run their pattern against you. <laughs> yeah, they can do whatever. When they, yeah, when they've got a 10 metre run up to basically do what they want. Yeah. Well, what are you going to, yeah. I mean, particularly the Thok and Seager try, look oh, was just yeah. like it was a, absolutely rancid that yeah it was just like what i how am is that coming happened? on the arc from <laughs> my wing now hello i here i am i'm through that hole thank you <laughs> would you like to attempt to tackle on me? <laughs> no okay fine um, no because four of us have just run after manu tuolangi who yeah. <laughs> isn't getting I mean, the ball yeah 34 missed tackles for an Andy Farrell coach defence is... Yeah. I mean, it's not... Even for a warm-up game, that's bad. And, I mean, there were... But, like, still, even with the, you know... I can understand in a warm-up game, you know, Jordan Lama not wanting to tackle Thokka Seager or Manitou Alagi because there's a World Cup in a couple of weeks and <laughs> that's only yes. going to end up way. However... As you say, it was the the space that was being afforded England meant that there was absolutely no pattern to that defence at all. There was no rush. There was no blitz. There was no pressure. It was just, it was yes. remarkably shit. The thing, you, thing is, you can't blame Andy Farrell when they're all quite clearly not doing anything that he actually coaches them to do. Well, just just not doing anything. Just sitting there, ten meters behind the fucking ruck, and waiting yeah. for England to come at them. So then you've got like, a problem is that they don't listen to him and they're not motivated by him. Well, history demonstrates that that never happens. So there's yeah. obviously just it is just a three games versus one shitty hit out against a powder puff Italian side. I don't think you can read too yeah. much into. The Wales game, because it was six months ago and everyone's been on their holiday since then. You know, everyone reboots at yeah. the start of a season, don't they? You know, so or, yeah, or certainly it's, it's, to a certain the, it's the mindset from a sort of the reason that we're getting these sort of fucking clothes rending <laughs> sackcloth and ashes fucking moratoriums and fucking wakes for Ireland's World Cup chances is because, you know, the players can might have forgotten that, but the fans absolutely haven't. <laughs> And also, and don't they forget, they remember... A little bit of morale. And they remember how Ireland generally tend to perform in World Cups as well, even when they yeah. play quite well. So actually, but maybe going in with zero expectations is a good idea. Yeah, if any team could have done with a good pre-season here to kind of get the fans into a positive mindset, it is probably Ireland. Because Wales know that nothing, absolutely nothing matters until the tournament starts, because we've been here four times now, or three times. Yeah. And it's always the same. Yeah, with Ireland, there's a lot more. I mean, that Portugal camp must have been an absolute bastard because they looked knackered and they just looked really like they they were absolutely running on fumes. And and but you know maybe this was all some sort of global you know global brain level fucking plan. 
by Joe Schmidt to just go, we'll be terrible. We'll, all of our lineup calls will be incredibly obvious. Line Everything up, will be shit. Fucking hell, mate. But maybe he's just saying, I don't want to give anything away until the World Cup. So you lot can play like fucking morons. And well, then th- we'll lull the... them into false sense of security. We've got them on the ropes now, boys. Yeah, the rope are dope. Yeah, but it's a, I think the, that's yeah. an interesting point, actually, because I remember, because I was, I was covering the game with The Guardian, and I had to transcribe the interviews at the end. I've got to stick around until I do the coach interviews. And Schmidt came out, and I remember thinking, fucking hell, why is he saying all this? Because he was saying things like, there's a real malaise around the team. That wasn't really acceptable at all. And stuff. There was no kind of, oh, yeah, we're just, oh, that's, you know, oh, yeah, this is all part of the plan. And in, when it plays into what you're saying, almost like he's saying, yeah, we're just totally and utterly shit. And that's the kind of message that he wants to go out yeah. there or something. It's really, really odd. I remember thinking his interview was the oddest thing I've ever heard. If, if For it's the sake of his weird, team, more than anything, it was like, well, I'm sure they don't want to hear you saying that, mate. Because it was almost no, like he said, it's almost... not fixable, you know. Yeah, well, it's either, last thing, either there is stuff going on behind the scenes and this is all mind games and he doesn't want to sort of tip anything until the World Cup actually starts. Or this is an absolute fucking disaster waiting to happen and this is going to be quite unbelievably bad. It's one of those two, basically. (laughs) Either it's all part of the plan or the wheels are so far off that they're not even in view. They've disappeared over the horizon. So we'll find out uh, on the 20-something of September, I guess. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, he said, it has to be better. We weren't nearly good enough. I expected us to be off the pace a bit, but some parts of our game were not where we should be. We accumulated 34 missed tackles, and you can't do that. We have to get a number of our elements of our game back in order. To be honest, we look dishevelled out there, and there's a malaise about the team, so you can't blame individuals. He basically just wants to come out and just gone, everything was fucking awful and I hate everyone and everything. It's a hell of a thing. It's a hell of a gamble a month out from a World Cup, isn't yeah. it? To say that, I mean, even if you believe yeah. that, it's a really strange thing to say. Yeah, I mean, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, using um, a term like dishevelled about your own team, <laughs> it's pretty bad, it's isn't like, it? Either, either, he, you know, either he comes back and says, you know, when he gets into the changing room, look, I fucking shitted you right out up there but don't worry about it it's just fucking spin lads and I think you might be just saying yeah we're just telling everybody we're shit because we want everyone to just fucking leave us just just think we're terrible and it'll all be fine yeah yeah Yeah. however they were I mean we shouldn't make this all about how bad Ireland were no we should because England England were were very good um what the the, 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 go on the Ford-Farrell combination right like, we've chatted about this before, but, like, it always seemed weird that he had a bit of a bad run and a bit of a malaise. Ford and did. then, well, you know, the, well, the, the did, team yeah. in general did. And, and the Ford-Farrell combination was what Eddie decided was the problem. And he sort of seemingly decided to dump it forever, having had so much success with it the year before. And... Yeah, it, it always seemed weird, and it's sort of weird. To, I mean, obviously, it was a weird game on Saturday, but it's weird to see them finally getting a chance to play together again, and England look so much more threatening. Yeah, with them. I'm going to give you throw Manu in there as well. Yeah, I'm going to give Jones a bit of credit. I think because, like you said, things weren't going that well a year ago, or with Ford. No, Ford they weren't. 
Ford wasn't playing very well, was he? And no. um, he thought, well, I'm going to have to do something about this. And I don't, I haven't got any other players I'm happy to do that creative axis with, really. So I go to a big 12. Mm. And I think he knows he can't really play that pairing until he's absolutely confident that his forwards are going to knock the shit out of well, everybody. And, and, and I'm starting to think feeling. that is, is yeah. that where he's got to now? Because if you look at that, I know, you know, opposition, all the caveats with Ireland at the moment. But if you look at that England power on Saturday, it was, well, it's, it, I've not seen it like that for a while. And I think any team, you can't draw too much on this, but any team seeing Itoji, um, Sinclair with the carrying, Carew is yeah. very quietly just being just like a real fucking handful and powerful. And then the Manu mm. factor that you throw in. And I think he knows that he's going to get enough go forward now. And with that D, I think you can't you can't overstate really how what a nightmare the Manu well Manu is full stop because of the decoy puts the shits up people and him getting the yeah. ball puts the shits up people. So yeah. actually, that's where. So I'm going to give it. I know it's easy to shit on Eddie Jones. Believe me, we've done it enough. But I'm going to give a bit of credit here. I think I think he's finally looked at it and gone. I know it's quite late. We're a month out, but actually, I know this partnership works. It, it, it produced my best results, the team's best results. We've got the forwards now. It won't be that hard to slot it back in. Yeah, because I, I feel I, you know, watching the game back again on Sunday, I, I, I sort of thought I came to that similar conclusion. It's like, yeah, this, this England team when they're absolutely dominant up front. I don't mean to be honest, most teams. Let's be honest, but like, particularly this England team when they're physically dominant in the forwards as they were on the weekend. Um. Are incredibly dangerous with that Ford and Farrell, and you know it's almost like he was so determined to play with the Big Twelve and Farrell at ten, because he was worried that England wouldn't be able to recover some of that. You know, Billy was injured a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Mako got himself injured, and it, yeah, Maru went through that you know period of not being as good as he was and not being as physically and being seemingly being more preoccupied with being a shit than he was about being good. Um, but all of that seems to have stopped now. And he's probably just gone, yeah, well, this works. And now we've got the... And also, we've got that extra factor of Manu at 13, which he never had on that original that's run. That's what's you know? different, isn't it? Manu at 13, Sinclair, temperament aside, up, up Fantastic player, yeah. Marla's back. Jamie George is now this kind of carrying hooker. Cruis, mm. I've already mentioned. I told you, you've already mentioned. And I do think, you know, the emergence of Tom Curry and it's Mark Wilson in the last six to, six to 12 months yeah. is another thing you can go, well, actually, my pack's right now. So I don't really need to, you know, yeah. I know I can play these two. And, I mean, compared to Cardiff last week, I mean, Ford looked a, a completely different player. I think it's a combination of how much more time he had, actually. Because you give something like in time, it's like giving something like me half an hour. You know, um, well, yeah, that's the thing. He's, and, he's and like all with Farrell alongside him as well, of course. Yeah, he's like all of those running fly halves in that he, if he's on the front foot, he's brilliant. If he's on the back foot, he's fucking dreadful. And it's the same with you know, hmm. with Danny Cipriani. It was the same with Carlos Spencer. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's Taylor's oldest time. If you give that sort of take it to the line player the ability to take it to the line with confidence, they'll play well for you. And that is the the only sort of question mark that you'd have and that's probably why he's sort of still in the back of his mind thinking we'll see how this goes is i think you know i think this is, now, i think that it will be if he like, i think that the first game that'll be what he does the issue will be 
if he comes up against somebody who stops that forward mm. power. And, you know, there are teams in that group, France could stop them with the way they're playing at the but moment. But I think what they might do then is I think... I, 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 I think they'll have that midfield and I think they'll have Francis on the bench. And if he's not going well, they'll just shove Farrell into 10 and put Francis at 12. That's the thing. They, they, I think they still want that option of having either Manu at 12 and maybe Jonathan Joseph or Slade as the 13, just for when the game is, you still, it's quite sensible really in that they've got that balance now that mm. if they aren't getting like that much front football, then you just hook forward, you put Farrell at 10, you bring Manu at, Manu at 12 and you've got an absolute battering ram outside the 10 and then you can play a totally different way. It might They might not have had a lot of success playing that way, but it's not a sort of game losingly bad way that you would if you sort of had Ford and Manu at twelve or Ford and AN big twelve, you know? It's But I mean whisper yeah. it from my point of view. I look at that on Saturday. Again, huge caveats about the opposition, but I do kind of go, Do you know what? I'm happy to go to a tournament now and what will be will be. Because I can actually yeah. watch them I think, and think, I can see, I know what he's fucking doing now. Because I've spent about six, 12 months not yeah. having a clue what he's doing. And in a way, yeah, I suppose he's, well, he's, he's, he's gone back to, to what works, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, maybe he always he knew what he was 12, doing. Yeah. Yeah. He spent 18 months sort of trying to fix what perhaps was broke, wasn't broke. Who can say really? But, you know, he's at the point now where he's reverted to type and, you know, he certainly worked well against Ireland. Um, and this is why it's a four year yeah. cycle, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you peak at a World Cup, you've done, you've done very well. You know, that's exactly what you should be doing as a coach and as a team is kind of getting it all together. It's come together a little bit late for England, but I he still has the problem that I mean, I mean, you know, it was quite amazing that they managed to put 57 points over the line and through the post when they've got a scrum half. It looks like he's got two massive boiled hams for hands. So, <laughs> well, this is what I was going to say. Like, is has this game basically proved now that Willie Hines is England's number one scrum half? Which is a, it's a mental thing to say, and you could have got very long odds on that a month ago, but you know he here we are. You know when he came on, he looks composed. His passing from the base is rapid. It's crisp. His kicking out of hand isn't an absolute nightmare. <laughs> um, ben Youngs is extremely in bad Ben mode at the moment. He's fucking all over the place. And even if England did manage to basically not get hampered by it at all on the weekend. Um, It'll be interesting to see if Hines remains as unflappable once games start meaning something, I guess. But, like, certainly on this evidence, like, how do you not start him? I think there's something going for Hines at being 32 and yeah. having all that experience. He's probably just a bit like, I'm not going to get too worried because this is fucking ace. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's the, it's the Hadley, Park fa- Hadley Parks factor, you know. It's like you come into the international game very late. And there's so much fucking water under the bridge as far as your career is concerned. It's just like, well, I'm just happy to be here. Hmm. And it's like, you're not going to get ruffled by anything because, you know, you've played against everyone over, <laughs> over your 10-year, 12-year, 11-year career. You know, it might be a different level. Yeah. but And nobody will blame you if you don't have a good World Cup. They'll blame the coach. Yeah. They'll go, actually, he was an yeah. honest pro. He gave his best, but it was just, you know, it was a ridiculous selection to start with. Yes, the Sean Perry factor all over again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know? He can't blame Sean. It's not his fault. 
<laughs> no, he was out of his depth. And that's what people, you know, Hines has gone in there with absolutely no expectation. And he's done really well. And it's, it's, it's one of the feel-good stories of this World Cup, dare I say it. Don't you try and jinx the fuck out of it now. Don't you think I don't know what you're doing? Well, I'm don't... just saying, it's like, it's, even if he, plays, he turns up and plays shit, the fact that a man at 31 who literally... I mean, what odds could you have got? Yeah. On I mean, really I know, whether he starts or not, ago. he's going to be playing the World Cup. He's going to be playing. He's yeah. going to start he's at least one at the game, World Cup. and he'll yeah. and he'll get game time in every game England play. So yeah. there you go. And it's 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 pretty remarkable when you probably could have got hundreds, if not thousands, to one for him being England's yeah scrum off. You know, even six months ago, eight months ago, certainly twelve months ago, it's absolutely bonkers. Right. That's England Island, I think. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to flag up about that okay. is the players still living dangerously when it comes oh, yes. to the tackle technique thing. Uh, Rob Carney taking Tom Curry. So has he that's been not living. That, that's not. I, we still haven't heard. I don't think so. When's the deadline? Is How it? the fuck has that? I mean, it could be because it's a bank holiday. They're yeah, it could be tomorrow. Um, come on, committees don't meet on bank holidays. I mean, that wasn't bad tackle technique, though. That was just a disgrace. Well, just well, yeah, that's the thing. And then you've got Manu on Jordan Lama, which obviously provoked a lot of. Oh, uh, I mean, you know what? Debate online. It's but, important you know, play safety, right? But fuck yeah. me, it's tedious, isn't it? When they start getting into this a bit tedious. too much, when it's quite obvious that it was an okay tackle. No, sorry, yeah. it was right on the edge, but it was legal. Yeah. Yeah, it's just about The legal. horrible thing is now is that every time somebody sees a big hit, the first thing they do is replay it 27 times to check if it was legal. <laughs> and I can understand why, right? Because obviously you shouldn't be trying to knock people's heads off and it's very, very important. But the game is losing something when all you do, instead of going, oh, that wasn't that great, is go, right, let me try and find out where that was shouldn't have been allowed. And But therein lies the rub, isn't it? Where that's why players need to stop doing what, you know, what Manu did. Because as soon as I saw that hit, I thought, fucking hell, what's his arm doing there? Hmm. Because, you know, he swung, he led with the shoulder and swung the arm into him. There's no, you know, it might just have been, just about to have been legal. And it was, but yeah. It was a tackle, it was a tackling technique that, you know, if the timing is a millisecond later or he's six you're gonna inches really higher, well, he's going to get, he's going to get a red card. You know, no two ways about it. And it's like players are not, you know, what's his face? The French lad getting banned last week for taking someone's fucking, you know. Players are not getting the memo that mm. you cannot fucking tackle like that anymore. Because even though that was legal, the weird thing is you end up in these strange discussions with people, don't you? Could you say, no, it's legal. I saw one you were having, actually. When you were saying, no, I accept that it's legal. I'm just saying that if you keep tackling like that, you're going to time it wrong and you're going to be off. Yeah. So actually, yeah. it's probably not a good idea to tackle like that anymore. So if you say, yeah. oh, if yeah, I but... was John... yeah, go on. If I was John Mitchell on Monday morning, I would be sitting down with Manu and going, don't you fucking dare do that again. Don't ever tackle like that if you want to stay on the field because you're making it so easy for a ref to send you off mm. by by leading with your arm like that and swinging with your right hand and having your left hand basically sort of down at your side even sort of in a sort of pseudo attempt to grapple you're making a tmo's decision so much easier mm. than if you tackle properly 
And this thing is tackling properly is not <laughs> like players get away with it because they have gotten away with it for ages. But the reality is, like, that's not how you're supposed to tackle. You're not supposed to swing your arm into somebody, you know? It's and if you plan of apply a risk reward sort of thing to it, okay, or a benefit like a cost benefit analysis type thing to yes, it, right? Yeah, yeah, because the yeah. question is, is that what do you benefit by tackling what does the team benefit by tackling somebody like that? Because at the end of the day, you're still tackling one person. Now, I suppose you could be very old school about it and say, well, you're going to put the person out of the game and they're going to shit themselves and never run at you again. I don't think that happens anymore. These people no, are all trained the... pros and it, that that doesn't really come into it. The, what it can do is, and I think it can still do this, is that it can actually give a bit of a lift and a bit of momentum, not momentum, but a kind of spiritual momentum shift, if you know what I mean. Because you yeah, can pump your lift. team up and go, oh, yeah, fucking yeah. hell, come on. It gives you a bit of that, but I think again... Well, I guess the... It... Gets the fans' bloods up, it which gets then up, gets yeah. the defense and the team. Yeah, and but is any of that enough? Is it worth it? Because if you're down to fourteen, because if you, like you said, if you're two, game. if you're two inches higher or two or a foot too yeah. close, well, Manu was lucky that he, he hit the ball, yes. and that Lama was carrying the ball quite high. And people have said, oh, he bounced off the ball; it made it look worse. Now, if the ball had been, you know, down at his hands. A, he would have probably been a not. He would have probably knocked him loose. So people, some people would have said that would have been a better result. Mm. But the reality is, if that ball wasn't there, Manu's shoulder probably goes straight into his chin, and he might well miss the World Cup. You know, mm. it's it's that sort of why are players still gambling with that, particularly now and yeah. in a meaningless warm-up game. I get that there are no <laughs> no friendlies in rugby, <laughs> but um, there <laughs> fucking are demonstrably. Um, but like. If you're doing, why are you doing that in a fucking warm-up game, man? Just fucking hit him, get a guy on the floor. And I suppose and the I question the does the game lose a great deal if you just bring your tackle down by about twelve inches? Yeah, I'm not and sure. I, it, I, not, I don't think it does. I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's, a, it's a rhetorical question for me. I'm sure a lot of people listening, and certainly a lot of people on Twitch will say, oh, "Yeah, it does." Actually, I watch rugby and I love rugby because you get these massive fucking hits and stuff. Um, well, yeah, go no, watch, I don't go watch MMA or boxing. Or rugby you know. league, of course. <laughs> or rugby league, of course, indeed. Um, Lots of people were saying that. Actually, you see a lot of people, certain types of people, on tw- certain group, you know, that certain, you know, corner of the rugby club, if you like, on on Twitter, saying things. Like, I think all rugby, all proper rugby fans, are going to go and watch rugby league soon because you know this sport's been ruined and all that kind of stuff. It patently hasn't. And if you watch, actually, if you watch rugby from, we've been doing this, haven't we? When the, yeah. the retro stuff, you watch rugby right from the late nineties and early two thousands. Fucking dreadful. It doesn't look like it's not as physical as it is now. Nope, nope. And yet we're ruining like the, the game now with these rules. It's just not true. It, <laughs> yeah. the, a game now, even with these high tackle stuff in, the game now is, you know, to use your word, Josh, demonstrably more physical and higher collision than yeah. it was 15, 10 years ago. Yeah, you've only got to watch, you know, the Rugby World Cup final in 2003 or something, mm. you know. And I mean, the rocks though, are a bit you know, of a mess. But yeah. <laughs> the rocks are a mess, to be fair. But then, so what? Nothing's changed there, to be fair. No, indeed. The just a different a mess. mess. Yeah. yeah. But, like, you look at the way that they're, you know, the, the velocity that they're hitting with. I mean, okay, yeah, they can fucking, they're going higher and they're dropping people on their heads and all sorts, but they're not fucking <laughs> The collisions aren't like, the same, no. You're the right, level right. of collision difference is so different. It's, you know, it, it is that cliche about rugby going from a contact sport to a collision sport. It was still a contact sport in 2003. Mm. It's fucking not anymore. And, yeah, I mean, this, I'm going to become a broken record at this, but I'm going to keep saying this every time somebody fucking moans about, you know, games gone soft. 
they're trialing below the waist tackling. Yes. Do let's let's not pretend that that isn't happening. Yeah. Would you rather just it's lower good. your tackle a bit now to prevent this stuff being an issue, or do yeah. you want waist tackling? Yeah. Yeah. Which, to be honest with you, probably would alter the game of rugby in a way that I'm not sure people would watch it yeah. anymore. Some people, Paul Williams always says he'd love it because it's loads of handoffs <clears throat> and stuff like that. Yeah, offloads. It wouldn't be handoffs to the face, which there wouldn't be lots of handoffs to the face, which is the best part of handoffs, <laughs> you know. And I just think we don't want, you know, I'd rather take the little. It's like a vaccine, you know. Yeah, I, I'd rather take the little bit of a little bit like, of medicine. And then, a little uh, bit of medicine in that regard. Rather than have my leg amputated, which is what yeah. might happen effectively. Yeah, yeah. and like, I don't understand. People are like, you know, this sport is changing. There is absolutely no way to get away from that because legally this sport has to change or there's going to be some sort of world rugby bankrupting fucking lawsuit. And lest and we forget, people are getting long-term seriously fucking hurt. Now, there's yeah. one argument that says, oh, well, they know the risks when they play and stuff like that. Well, yeah, maybe. But again, that won't work in a class action anyway. And actually, yeah. let's just be fucking decent about this. We don't, I don't care what anybody says. Nobody wants to see their sport cripple somebody for the rest of their life if it can be avoided. Yeah. It's, yeah. About avo- a- it's about a manageable level of avoidable harm, basically. And you yeah, get harmed in rugby. We've all played it. It fucking harms you yeah. to a certain level. Fucking right, it's, it's just yeah. it's just getting so it doesn't go out of control. That's all. Yeah, it's like there are things that you you know if you've ever played rugby, you will expect or any contact sport, you accept that you know you're taking a risk and bad things will happen. I you know my the ligaments in my ankles will be basically spaghetti before I'm sixty. <laughs> I know because of the sport that I played. I know this, what, you know, I accept I didn't know it at the time, but I've accepted it since. Rugby players are no different, and they got compensated for it very well. However, we don't want to get into a situation where parents don't want their kids playing rugby. No. You know, we don't, you look at, as with so many other things, you've only got to look over the fucking pond to the NFL to see how this shit is going to fucking shake out. You know, we've already had the class action lawsuits over there. We've had the hundreds of million of dollars worth of settlements to players who weren't told about the risks of head injuries and stuff like that. You know, just yesterday or the day before, you know, one of the best players in the league, Andrew Luck, retired at the age of 29 because he just didn't want to do it anymore because he, he'd been, you know, fighting with injuries and rehabbing various injuries for the best part of five years and they just weren't getting any better. And he just was, and he, you know, he had more, he wanted to have a good life. You know, he'd made his money and he didn't want to spend the rest of his life, you know, after he retired on crutches or struggling to play with his kids. And I read a really interesting thing after it, which is basically like said that the NFL is terrified that it's running out of players that are too, like, that are stupid enough to play their sport, basically. Hmm. Because all of these players who are coming in now understand the risks and they're going, you know what, I'm not going to stay in this sport for 10 years if I can make my money and then get out. Look at Shantan Harpe, right? Yeah. He's cognitively impaired now. Yeah. You know, and if he, you're not telling me that any rugby fan, right, if you could say, if we could have brought this in 
15, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, and and, and stamped this out over a two-year period so it wasn't there, so Shantae and Harpe wouldn't be cognitively impaired. Are you really saying that, well, no, I think that's a bad idea? That's the question people have to start asking themselves. I remember, there's a, remember, um, I don't remember, but Sandy Koufax, the legendary um, Mm. pitcher, left-handed pitcher who had to work so hard to pitch the ball fast and, you know, he used to bowl a certain type of, was it a screwball he bowled? He bowled some kind of ball, which his arm was all over yes. the fucking place. And yeah. he retired at 31, I think. And, and the, the, the journalist said to him, you know, the, the, well, the question people will be asking, Sandy, is why? And he said, why? He said, well, because I have to live most of my life not throwing a baseball or something. He said, you know, when actually yeah, I want my arm to be working. You know, and there is yeah. something about that, and isn't the thing, there? Like, there's, there's a lot to be, you know, the, the NFL thing is like, we don't want... You know, our you know, they want rug, the NFL players that value their more than, like value playing football more than they value their health, hmm. and those are an increasingly short supply. We don't want our you know rugby teams to be stocked with people that value playing rugby over their long term health because that's not a good look for a sport, not and it's all. also gonna it's also gonna keep a lot of great players out of the sport and. It just changes coming. Yeah, but to bring it back to Manu, times thing, they are changing. It was yeah. yes, it was legal. People are overreacting a bit. There's no need to go over and over and over it. Yeah, but the point. Are... The point is, is that yeah. Well, I agree with you, Josh. I think defense coaches should now be saying you really shouldn't be tackling like that anymore. That's not a very good idea. Niall lives on a hill, a very steep hill which is great for the calf muscles. But when it comes to squeezing in and out of that parking space between the neighbours' pride and joy, Niall begins to worry. I wonder if they use recycled plastic to make all the recycling bins. In the new Dacia Duster with automatic gearbox and hill start assist, at least hills are nothing to worry about. And from only €45 per week on the road, nor is the price. Visit the Dacia sales event from the 18th to the 20th of November. Don't worry, be Duster. Offer made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. See Dacia.ie. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Scotland now, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, good game, I thought. Yeah, it was. Really um, good. Yeah, you know, I think as you mentioned off air, certainly a hell of a lot better than last week in terms of a competition. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, both teams turned up, which is always useful. It's not always guaranteed, as we've already discussed this weekend with a with a warm up game. You know, there's no yeah. guarantee both teams are going to turn up. Um, yeah, I would be slightly worried if I was a Scotland fan, though. That like, as great as it is. Greg remains Scotland's eternal safety blanket, doesn't he? Mm. I mean, like when everyone around him was shitting the bed, well, when Peter Horn and Finn Russell were shitting the bed, anyway, you know, Glacial Greg remains the sort of broadly unflappable, calming influence that stops Scotland from absolutely fucking <laughs> totally losing their marbles. And well, that's great, up to a, but it's sad because then did you see his little face? At the, in the anthems, and Fiona, know, yeah. the, the Fiona Hunter pointed this out. He was mega emotional 
and basically she surmised and did a bit of Sherlock Holmesing and was like, look, that's the last time he's ever playing at Murrayfield. Yeah. And yeah, he's retiring after the World Cup, 100%. It would make and sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's in his 30s now. He's he's had a very, very good run, but <laughs> it's just a bit sad. And he's, like, a, he's at the point Scott... in his life where he's going to start slowing down, and can you imagine what that's going to look like? Oh, by fucking the way? hell, I mean, can we... He's, you know, going to Claremont has absolutely positively given him the, like, the a, a late career boost that he... We probably didn't expect him to, to be honest. It's made him a better player, but... I think he probably sees father time coming. Uh, and is too slow and... to run away from him. So. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it, it will be really, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I like Greg a lot. He seems like a lovely bloke. So do I, actually. Yeah. yeah. He, looked, he looked unbelievably like. In fact, like... I've never known anybody who doesn't. You know, there's always the certain well, rugby players don't, where if you like. If you don't like Greg Laidlaw, you're a little bit dead inside, yeah. I think. Like, I mean, there's loads of players that, that, that are divisive and stuff, but he seems to be yeah, one yeah. that everyone, nobody has a bad word about, really. Frustration with his performances sometimes, maybe, but... Yeah, but that's different to not liking him. He's, yeah. You know, I like him a lot. He's nice. He's a Speaking good lad. frustration performances, somebody really needs to tell, tell Finn Russell, just because you can do something, Finn, doesn't mean you should. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's... How many times did he attempt to throw a... First half in particular. Did he try about four missed passes at one point? Yeah. and, and He threw one so badly, so it went... almost felt like he was shouting, run onto it, as he did it, as he like <laughs> launched it into touch. You know, it was horrendous. Yeah, and you've just got to think, in that situation, like, where... <laughs> where do, do the rest of Scotland go with that, you know? Like, I feel for the whoever's sort of outside him when he's 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 uniquely talented mm. it does seem like his time in france has meant that he's very very comfortable with throwing the ball to french players now um but yeah where do you, like how do you work in a backline when that guy just seems to freelance constantly how do you anticipate what he's doing because he calls an audible mid play <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, like, I'm yeah, already yeah. running in this direction, Finn, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Which is good in some ways, because that's why they can do I do think they're the they're, they're the team in even more than France at the minute, to be honest. They're the team that can do some eagle wolf, you know, the kind of Oh, they play porno rugby when it works. Yeah, when it works. That but... and that's why they're capable of it. But in a way it's fun, funny because when um when Camille Lump- Lopez went off and, and Entomat came on. And Entomat mm. kept trying all these stupid fucking chip and chip over and chase things, didn't he, for his backline to chase. And they never worked. And you were like, all right, fine, you're getting this out of the way and hopefully somebody's going to give you a bollocking when you come in. And the <laughs> fact that you're still, like, basically, in rugby union terms, international rugby terms, you're still an embryo. So basically we're not too, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we can work on this. Whereas with Finn, I mean, he is meant... He seemed to be playing like Entomac played. It's almost yeah. like how old he is. He, he's... He must be 40 caps deep now, is he? He's 26 now. He's heading he should, he, should, he should be hitting his prime in the next 12 months, basically. Yeah. And, and he has at times, caps. I'm not saying... For, yeah. And he's he has hit his prime. I'm not saying he hasn't. And he's a bloody wonderful player to watch. But there is an element of when you're playing like the 21-year-old Tyro 
who obviously doesn't really give much of a shit. You need to start asking yourself questions when you're a starting 10 of a team that sometimes struggles to control games, which is my other point about this, actually. Even though it was a very dogged performance and better than last week, I still watched that whole game and found myself with Scotland going, I still don't see you building anything. No, it all just sort of happens, doesn't it? it there's and nothing. I, you can't yeah. see their scores coming. There's no, no like, oh, I can great. see now over it's the net. I can see that in the last six minutes, you've built towards this, which yeah. is what most teams do, isn't it? Yeah, it's not so much a sort of, it's like a quick strike offense, really, as opposed to sort of like building up a pattern. It's just like they'll just do something and do something and do something. And then all of a sudden, something that will happen. And the good, and the good with turnover ball and stuff. The good in transition, and, yeah. And, and that's and to be honest, that's amazing because so many teams struggle with um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But what they can't get right is the stuff that I don't know. They just need to do better, which is, you know, putting some phases together that get you in the right part of the park to then do what you need to. It's, you know, it's, I'm sorry, it's a really obvious thing to say because it's basically what I'm saying is they need to be better at playing rugby, really. But um, yeah. and it's. It's not. It's, it sounds like we're going in on on Finn when he isn't. But he should be, like you say, he should have got this a bit better. Like he's been playing international rugby for five years now. You know, mm. he's been playing since he was twenty-one or whatever. You know, when, like you say, when he was twenty-one, it was sort of excused because he was yes. this sort of mercurial, excellent, brilliant, and he was thing. such a talent that you'd indulge it. You'd indulge it. Absolutely, you know, of yeah. You would. But like now, it's like, you know, people criticise Gatlin not taking him on the last Lions tour until they absolutely had to, you know. It's like, if you were a sort of coach coming into that and you had other options, would you sort of... Well, Gatlin's <laughs> like, picked somebody you... like him in Jared Evans when he's really got no fucker left. Exactly, he's the absolute... Lot, and that's Fifth the off the so... rank, RR, fuck yeah. it, I'll take him then. For so many coaches that would be like and it's different with scotland because you know they've got a coach that's been with him basically since he was a fucking embryo and it's difficult like, is it because scotland don't have well, no, a huge no pack of monsters either do they no. so it's easy to say well they should pick more people who are massive and smash it like who are these people they don't exist so i've got some sympathy in that we're asking them to do something when maybe the personnel's not there and you maybe have to fit the game plan fit fit your personnel but even yeah. with that Finn Russell could do a better job. Yeah. Consistently. I think that's the thing that's going to sort of hold. It's, he is both the only reason, like the reason that they're brilliant sometimes and the reason that he, yes. they, he's the, both the thing that's moving them forward and holding them back. He is the both the time. cause and the solution of all their problems. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, he is. And it, it, that's, it was that's probably overstated apparent. it from my point of view. But yeah, there's some, is, some truth yeah, in like, it. Yeah. There is a definite kind of, yeah, you know, he he came out of let's you know let's not forget he, you know, he came to the the international game quite late, and the game in general, you know, he was like working as a fucking stonemason after secondary school. Of course, school, he was, yeah. You know, and didn't really, you know, in two thousand, you know, two thousand fourteen, he basically went from fucking nothing, being on the fringes at Glasgow, to being international. Um, and that's how much talent he's got. But there is also a reason why he didn't really do anything after secondary school because coaches just look at that talent and go amazing, yes. and then look at everything else and go, yes, yeah. And that's the thing that he's got a talented lad. He is, but he makes me afraid. 
<laughs> it's exactly that. You know, what's it that, uh, you know, friend of the pods, Graham Love, has that that T-shirt that he's made with uh, Keep Calm and, oh, God, what's Finn doing now? <laughs> it's, yes, very true, yeah. It's, it's emphatically that. And, like, if that can be both a blessing and a curse. You Finn's know, sanity, like, they don't call it that for nothing, do they? Yeah. <laughs> but... It's absolutely like, yeah. It's it's just remarkable how it hasn't changed. It's not changed. Like he was exactly like that when he came on the scene at twenty one, and at twenty six, he's doing the same thing. Well, he's you know? better at the flashy stuff now. Oh, to absolutely. be honest, and it's almost yeah. like that's what he spent his time doing. And I suppose I don't know the coach. You just know I can't do anything about this anymore. So I've just got to work with what I've got. However, it sounds like yeah. we've been massively negative. I'm not he's a wonderful player. I just think that from a Scotland point of view for the tournament that's coming up, they just need a he just needs a bit more Duncan Weir in there, doesn't he? <laughs> do. You know, well, that's the thing. Like as a neutral, there are probably no like tens that I enjoy watching more than Finn Russell, you know? I absolutely love watching him play. And yet, you know, (laughs) I can't think of a game. I don't know if I'd I'd want him to be Welsh, you know? I can't think of a game, and Scottish listeners will no doubt tell me I'm a fucking idiot for not being able to think of a game. But I can't think of a game where I can very specifically remember him. You know, like kicking for court, like a bigger type of game. No, he shouldn't. He's not damn bigger, but you know what I'm saying? In that he thought, he, he looked at the other game and thought, you know what's needed here? I need to put it in there and put it in there and put yeah. it on the fullback and we'll do that for five or ten minutes and then we'll go back to, then we'll get some, I can, you know, and I don't think you can be, and that's what the issue is for me, really. We've, got, we've talked about this for too long now, but that's what the issue for me is, really. You just need to have a little bit a little bit more of this. However, they were so fucking awful last week that to have turned it round and, and, and just for the heads Absolutely. not to have dropped, it's, it was, it was you know, like I said, it was dogged. They did fight it out. France had a lot of ball in the second half. Um, yeah. And, and Scotland did, you know, disrupt it significantly. France absolutely showing once again that they're not going to this World Cup to make up the numbers either. Like, they look fitter. They look hungrier. They look like they've got the conditioning to last an 80. They're still not the finished article no. by any stretch, obviously, but... They look physical. They look dangerous. They've got a strong set piece. Like, I'm genuinely very glad they're not in my group as far as the World Cup goes. Because Camille they're... Shatt looked handy when he came on, didn't he? Fucking hell, didn't he? Yeah. Was <laughs> <laughs> just like, how many of those do you want to turn over, pal? Yeah. <laughs> he was everywhere. And yeah, I mean, Scotland sadly are now. You know, we're getting into classic pre-Scottish World Cup injury crisis nightmare. So Sam Skinner looks like he's done. Um, Blake Thompson, Thompson went off, God's sake, like first finally gets his first cap after missing out for six months because well, of a head injury. Well, they find two sort Nothing. of monsters, and this is yeah. what happens. Yeah, it's just, uh, and you've got to, yeah, you've got to wonder. What, they're going to Georgia next week. I would literally just take the fucking under-20s. <laughs> <laughs> like, who gives a fuck now? Like, yeah. wrap everyone in as much fucking bubble wrap as you can find. Particularly in the forwards in the back row because they're paper thin there. Right, time has drifted on. Should we go on to shit good? Probably should, shouldn't we? Yeah. What have I? Got? Let's do good first. Um, I've got good. 
not going to ask me this week. No, somebody, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, somebody had a bit. It was. It was. Who was it? It was Anna, I think. Yeah, said it because. Yeah. yeah, we did go into a bit of that, but yeah, I'm going straight into it now. Yeah. Anyway, okay. good for me was Wayne Barnes walking Scotland ten for gesticulating after he made a decision. Absolutely. More yes. of this, I say. Absolutely. Um, good for me also is um, Joe Marler just having maximum fun. <laughs> Being in an England shirt again. It was like, honestly, so fucking good. Being a bell end, just having a great time. He just looks delighted to be back. That bit where he walked out of the tunnel and then just, just walked fucking... across and kind of just what like a very gentle hip stroke shoulder check of yeah. Furlong. Yeah. It was it was, so it was like fun. so shitty. It's one of those things that Furlong probably just went, Did that just happen or did he just not quite look where he was going? Was that on purpose? It was yeah. kind of like a But I love that about it, that kind of low level shit housery. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it's like it's it's got like a little bit about any player really. All, yeah, it's not. He obviously hasn't always been like that. No, but like like Marla post Gypsy Gate. Yes, is has been almost constant comedy value for just like he's he's brought his shit housing down to a level where I think anybody can just enjoy it. Yeah, but I also think that. He was miserable when he played for England before the break. Absolutely, yeah. And he's come and out and he's said like, that. And now he's just like, I'm yeah. coming back, but I'm not letting it be like that again. Yeah, it's exactly. He's he's like, he probably felt when he was playing for England before where it was, you know, that he had to be something that he isn't. You know, he hmm. had to be Mr. Fucking Serious all the time and he had to be sort of, yeah. and like, now he's just like being a bit oh, of Yeah, a this is who I am. Therefore, this is what yeah. I do. Yeah. It's the Andy Powell effect, you know? It's like <laughs> yes. when you just embrace who you are, you just end up being a better rugby player. And occasionally, you know, you end your career by stealing the golf cart. But, you know, you know it happens. Well, that's a one hell of a way to go, though, isn't it? Absolutely People will remember fantastic. that far more than Dan Carter's retirement. And I'm not even joking. Absolutely. Absolutely, they will. <laughs> Can you imagine how fucking shit that Dan Carter film's going to be? I honestly, I looked, I read four seconds of the trailer and it was him running in New Zealand. And I was just like, no, thank you. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what a player, but no, not interested at all. I watched, I watched the Richie McCaw documentary on a plane. You were that soldier, were you? Well, weirdly, I was going through, I was going out on a plane to LA last, uh, earlier this year. And I was going through like what was on the fucking entertainment system. And I was like, hang on. What's the, why is the Richie McCaw documentary on United Airlines' in-flight entertainment system? So I sort of felt like yes. morally obligated almost. It was like because you'd be the only one who watches it, and the yeah, entire literally time. I'm going to be the only. This is going to be the only. When they look at their days, they're like, "Who the fuck watched yeah. this?" <laughs> exactly, and it was all right to be fair, you know. But yeah. for all the Richie McCaw, like Richie McCaw is one thing. Dan Carter is way more boring than Richie McCaw. At least Richie McCaw cheated. Exactly. (laughs) And Richie McCaw was sort of regarded as being a bit small and, you know, and had a bit of adversity to overcome in his first, you know, whereas Dan Carter was just always going to be... Yeah, I started playing rugby. I was fucking ace at it. So then I I moved up a level and I was ace then. And then they put me in the all-black team and and I carried on being ace. Then I became the most acest in the world. Yeah, and then I retired. And remained, yeah, remained there until I couldn't be bothered to do it anymore, and then became a sort of weird semi-model sort of person. <laughs> yes, like fuck off, mate! Literally, have you ever now, had a bad day? You never know. I could be surprised by it, but 
I don't fancy. I'm, I'll end up watching it at some point, but I'm not going out of my way to do it. Anyway, be, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm going to uh, when I go to LA in January. I bet the Dan Carter documentary will be on bloody United Airlines again. <laughs> well, I'm flying to Denver in September, so maybe you never know, dear. I'm on British maybe, Airways yeah, though. Yeah. British Airways ah. won't touch it. It's only on American <laughs> Airlines. Weirdly, <laughs> I was say, yeah, British Airways. And uh, I was like, if I was on Air New Zealand, I mean, yeah, I would expect it yeah. to be nothing. Fly to the Concord. That's all that's available. Documentary yeah. about X Hall Blacks. Yeah. The crowded house live in Auckland from 1987. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> anyway, right. So yeah. good for me. Maro Itoji. Fuck me. He looks back to his best. Lest we forget, yeah, right? He's still only 24 years old. Maro yeah, Itoji. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's 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 doing what we after that sort of weird 18 months in the wilderness. He has basically just put himself back on the sort of steaming towards yeah. being the best lock and in the world. And he's doing just enough shit housing. For it to not well, be a massive problem, but it's he's perfect. Found, he's, found, he's found balance now, hasn't <laughs> yes, he? He spent yes. 18 months just turbo shithousing for no reason. And now he's realised that all he needs to do is a little bit shithouse. Yeah. Because he is a good. second row. You have to do yeah, some of you've it. You've got to so. be a little bit shithouse. Yeah. And a little bit rock and roll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but... Yeah, he's the balance appears to be found. The trajectory is restored, and uh, there there will be no stopping him. Good I man feel. yourself, Maro. Have you got any more good, or shall I go to the Twitter? Uh, yeah, uh, Underhill and Curry. Like I'm no, I know playing two sevens isn't revolutionary, but it feels like for England it kind of is. <laughs> I already playing... despise the 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 moniker the Suicide Twins. By the way, uh, absolutely terrible. Fucking. <laughs> Kill whoever was responsible for it, to be honest, because it's awful. Um, yeah. It is the Suicide Twins, is that what they called them? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I had forgotten about that, and it's fucking dreadful. No, the because... Kamikaze Twins, that's what they're called. Sorry, the I was translating. Twins, Same thing, I suppose. But um... Yeah, well, yeah, but like... It's still terrible. Glor- well, I mean, stop glorifying players having no respect stop glorifying ritual suicide what is wrong with you well well, yeah stop glorifying like players throwing their bodies into anything and getting injured but having said all that yes very good performance yeah yeah call them the thompson twins you know yeah hold me now oh hold on something (laughs) um doctor doctor uh yeah can't you see i'm burning burning that was theirs wasn't it thompson twins yeah yeah um but yeah it is quite revolutionary for england to even play one seven Really, so for them to play two <laughs> yes. is fair play. Works for me. Anyway, what else have we got? Uh, Mary, is it Mary? Yeah, it will be Mary. Mary Thompson Ross gets in touch and says, "Good was Gordy Reed running at the French kicker when he was taking conversions." I mean, honestly, He's has there never enough. been a bigger waste of time than charging down conversions? It's a big, it's a, it's the big, it's a bigger waste of energy than trying to phone. Ryanair customer services. <laughs> it's, it's about as futile as that. And then you get Gordon Reed trying to do it, which becomes so futile, it's just unbelievable. When have you ever seen in a professional game Anyone. a conversion ever going in any way other than through the post, charge down or not? Yeah. Oh, sorry, and if you do not. miss, it's not because you're running at it from 50 metres away or whatever. Yeah, it's almost certainly never had any impact on anything. The only thing it, time it ever has any impact on anything is when they run too early, the person misses, and then they get to have another go because you've fucked up. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't but, that Al? Oh, yeah, that was Ala. 
New Zealand Island, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yeah, it was. Aaron Cruden. Fucking <laughs> hell. See, that's where yeah. that gets you, that bloody behaviour. Yeah. See, yeah, in rugby exactly. league, you don't have to chase the conversion down. All this stuff just is all over. Waste yeah. of time. I mean, get rid of it. What else have we got that's um, uh, good here? Rhiannon Garth Jones gets in touch and said, good is Marla for nudging Furlong as the team walks out. Yes, brilliant stuff, Rhiannon. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Um, I enjoy, I'd like to say a, 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 what, a positive word for one Irish player. And that is Josh mm. van der Fleer for just at least trying. Like he looked like the only. I think he was still fuming from Tom Curry getting the better of him in February in Dublin. Yeah. So I think he was a bit like, I'm not going to go shit. What the rest of you are fucking doing? Yeah. I'm fucking doing this properly today. Yeah. He was the only Irish player who looked like he hadn't been given one of those like men in black neural neutralizer things before kickoff. Like, I mean, he didn't play particularly well, he got run over a lot. <laughs> By a lot of England, <laughs> but at least he was there. You know, nobody else seemed to be prepared to get their face trampled on, or you know, be Manny to a luggy speed bump. But he was at least prepared it to do that. I think that deserves some. How many people still assume that he's South African? Yes. The amount of people who talk about Portugal. What about Josh van der Fleer? It's like he was born and raised in Ireland. He's just called yeah. Josh van der Fleer. <laughs> some people are from elsewhere. Some people have some family. Some people's elsewhere. parents are from elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, Josh if... Van der Fleer's parents actually from like Holland? I don't know, but I do know that he is, I mean, you know, everyone and, is yeah. Irish, but he is like yeah. properly he born was... and brought up in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, his parents might be. Yeah. Maybe from, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I might have just made that up. Um, anyway. You know, yeah. people immigrate into Ireland the other way, you know. <laughs> they don't just yeah. leave. Some people do come yeah. in. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Patricia gets in touch. She says, "Good is lonely Jim's new job. Hopefully, this, sig- this signals the end of the bleak, harrowing cycle of custard creams, homes under the hammer, and waiting for Harry to phone that his life has become." Oh, well, we'll have to find. Well, we'll, we'll get. I'm sure we'll get an update at some point, Patricia. Anybody, we'll see. Does anybody honestly believe that you know working for an international rugby team is not an incredibly part-time job? Yes, you know he'll have plenty of time. You know. To worry, I imagine, but we'll find out. Graham Indeed. Golding gets in touch. He says, "Good is the difference Blake Thompson and Sam Skimmer made to Scotland." He said, "But shit was that they both got injured." He said, "But good was the mish. He tied up at least three defenders with every carry, and he put three guys, including Vahamahina, on his ass for Harris's try." Yeah, very true. Yeah, mish played really, really well, actually. Of course he did, as he always it's does. A given, isn't it? He always it's a given. does. Yeah, some things you just don't have to worry about, and that's one of them. Ian McGill mm. gets in touch. He said, good was Stuart Hogg, not for the actual play, because he was pretty average, but for the moment with five minutes left when France kicked through, giving Scotland a nervous line-out on their own 22. Hogg knelt down to pick up the wall, the ball, and Racker sort of dribbled the ball away. Hogg complained to the ref that he wanted to take the line-out quickly, which, of course, he didn't want to do, because that would have been mental. Absolutely didn't want to do it. Yeah, no. yeah that would have, I'd, I did enjoy that, because it's like, hang on, you've, you've stopped him from... Yeah, he doing said, something he was never going to do there. He said, but when the penalty was awarded to Scotland, <laughs> Hoggy's face immediately turned into the most wonderful shit-eating grin. It was the creme de month of shithousery. Yeah, it was very, very funny. <laughs> Tom Gorman gets in touch and said, good was Sinclair and Itoji for just playing rugby instead of being the total bellends that they can be. Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. And Thorvin the Red says, good Chris Harris, if finally. Uh, agree. Hard <laughs> yeah. agree. Yeah. Yes. He's just, a, he's something different from most Scottish. Well, chances. he was that before, but in a bad way. Yeah. And now he's like just a handful. 
like a real physical handful. Yeah. Both in attack and offence. Yeah. He's, he's there was a lot of people saying, what the hell's he doing in there ahead of um, Nick Grigg and stuff, wasn't there? So actually, yeah. I suppose we have the answer now, don't we? Prove the point. Should we move on to shit? Yes. Let's do that. Shit. I've got... Did you, did you see and hear the style of the band and the singing of Ireland's Call? Absolutely insane. They started the playing, I was, and I that. literally burst out laughing when they started playing because it was like... It, it, it felt like a psychological intimidation tactic. It felt like it, it sounded and, fe- and looked like a Eurovision warm-up act from about 1986. It was unbelievable. It, it was genuinely insane, and I still don't understand. <laughs> it looked like an outtake from thinking? the Rose of Tralee Festival or something. It was un- <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, also in that game, but nothing to do with actual playing. Um, shit, what is Jacob Stockdale's haircut about? <laughs> A few people mentioned like, this on Twitter. People, yeah. people have been slating his defence, which was bad at the weekend. Don't get me wrong, but the real crime is whatever is going on with his bonnet. Remember when he broke through and he was brilliant? Yeah. You know, it was high, it was tight, <laughs> it was neat. Uh, no messing about, good lid. Now he looks like he's auditioning to be the seventh member of the Monkees and his performance has gone in the shitter. Coincidence? Reverse Samson. Um, yes. Yes, it is a coincidence, but still, <laughs> it's terrible. The, he had a look. He has a look of sort of um, late period Michael Hutchins in excess, sort of yeah, curly, flowing well, bit, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it's sort of like it's halfway between a mullet, yeah, and a sort of beetle haircut. And is he slightly bald? Is he receding a bit? Or was it just because it was swept back? It gave that impression. I couldn't quite work I think it out. It might be because it was swept right. back. It's there's no getting away from it. He, it looked terrible. It was, it was a disaster. Um, yeah. Well, I got a shit. Rory Lawson, who was commentated on Scotland and France Premier Sport, doesn't know what Gail Ficou looks like. <laughs> because he called Gail Ficou Jatoon, I think, for the yes, first 22 did. minutes of that game. Easily, yes. And I, to the point at which he was so confident in it, I thought I was going mad. I was like, what? I thought I'd forgotten what people looked like, but no, it was. But hey, I tell you what, though, we didn't mention it in good, but Gail Ficku, where where's I mean, that been? It's it's no 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 no. See this this was his once every eighteen months <laughs> yes. decent performance that convinces whatever France coach is involved. To keep him around for the two years. To keep him around for the next two years, yeah. It's a hundred percent nailed on. Like, Tell you what, though, I wouldn't mind having a look at a Fofana um, Jitoon 12-13. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't would, mind a look at that at all. I would be absolutely delighted with that, especially with the young halfbacks thrown in there as well. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're not short of good players at the moment, are they? That's, that's not... See, I don't you know, know why they, they don't... I mean, Penno's a 13 as well, isn't he? If they, and, and if they get Barabbas back in... I mean, there was a lot of they, choice there. Medard's they, lurking about, you know. Played Tom Ramos at full. But oh, they're, I tell you what, they're a good squad. Tom, I tell you what, I tell you what. How enjoyable was it to have an actual fullback playing for Isle, for France? Yes, and like, you know, we've become so used to watching France just be unbelievably shambolic. 
And there he was. Just Tom Ramos was just like, yeah, I'll just do what a fullback does, shall I? I'll cover the kicks. I'll kick up. I'll, I'll I will be stood out. in the correct position. Yeah. <laughs> be stood revolution. Viva the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got any shit over there? Uh, well, um, Rory Best with regret. <laughs> God, man, that line I mean, out. There is a, there's a reason you don't see too many 37-year-old hookers playing test rugby, you know? And for all of his wonderful service to Ireland over the years, he looked shot to bits. Like, his throwing was awful. His breakdown work was anonymous. His defence was bad. Like, if he keeps playing like that, Ireland might have to drop their captain, which is awkward. She's a bit of an Eddie Jones 2018 <laughs> kind of problem to have, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the line out. It just got to almost comedy levels. I think I said... Um, they lost six line-outs. Imagine losing, Ireland losing six throws in the Paul O'Connell era. Do you man, can you imagine what he would have done? It is, it is, can you imagine how much toothbrushing and smoking he'd have been doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, um, yeah it, I think I, in the end I said it looked like some confused salmon trying to jump up the wrong waterfall, <laughs> then missing it, I think is what I said by the end of it. But um, It was fucking awful. Well, that's got really? the shit here. George Turner's short throw-in to the Scottish line-out. It was really bad. But what was even better than that was Alistair Kellogg's, who's got, who's, whose voice is remarkable, by the way. It re- every time he was speaking, I was just like, this is a weird... Like, it's not just because he's Scottish. No, he's like he's Melvin just... from The Temptations. When you listen to The Temptations <laughs> and Melvin starts singing, you go, how the fuck does anybody make that noise? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what, what, how is this noise coming out of anyone? <laughs> J.D. It's Sumner like from a, uh, Elvis' like, backing like rolling, singers. Yeah. Like Rolling Thunder, but But anyway, Scottish. he said, <laughs> Kellogg said, it looked worse than voice. it was. I can't, don't, Do yeah, voice. can you imagine? I, can't, I literally can't get a bass baritone <laughs> like that. He said, it looked worse than it was as he wasn't stood in the middle of the line out. It's like, that's not a defence. That's absolutely <laughs> no defence whatsoever. It was just bad. It was really bad. So not only did he throw it about 10 foot squint, he was stood, yeah, he didn't he know where to stand either. Yeah. You're not helping. Right, have you got any more shit there? Uh, yeah, uh, James Haskell's MMA career. <laughs> because either he'll be good at it and he'll be unbearable or he'll be terrible at it and it'll all get very tragic. And to be honest with you, James Haskell is tragic enough. So Ian Wheeler got in touch on Twitter and said shit was James Haskell's move to MMA, which will mean lots of press coverage. He said, however, good will be the inevitable doing you'll get at the hands of a welder from Barnsley. It's from Provincial <laughs> Nightclub in Warsaw on a Wednesday. And then added to that, Mark Parsons said, the mammoth pasting Haskell's going to get at the hands of some 20-year-old Chechen genetic mutant. <laughs> <laughs> Either of those outcomes, I'm all up for. I mean, I might be all right with that. I could live with it. If he has one fight and gets absolutely fucking smashed, then... I'll I'll enjoy it. I mean, he might be quite good at it. He's a tough, big, fit lad, isn't he? If he's good, yeah. If he's good at it, it'll be annoying. Yeah, very annoying. If he's bad at it and he carries on going and keeps trying, it will all get a little bit. James Dwayne Chambers trying to make it in the NFL sad, you know. I I think he should go. I think genuinely think he'd be good at WWE, Haskell. 
I was just you could do that William that. Regal slightly posh English guy. He's already in great shape. And yeah, he loves the kind of cave. He'd, he'd be great in the kayfabe of it all, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'd be an absolutely fantastic heel. Yeah, like a posh yeah, English like... horrible heel, because that's basically yeah, what he is to me. Hate him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And rightly so. And then they discover that he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fantastic stuff. Anyway, uh, what have we got here? Uh, Shit. Yeah. Ian Bradshaw says Ben Stokes going so overdrawn on English sports genius, lucky bastard account that you know a debt's going to get collected in October. Do you know what, Ian? It is absolutely peak this pod that you can only see despair in that in that Ben Stokes triumph. Because I tweeted not long afterwards saying, you know this is going to make it even more painful when we lose this Series 3-1, don't you? Because one, that's just the way <laughs> I am. And two, yeah. I lived through England cricket in the 1990s and I can never, ever, ever forget those mental scars. We are always, <laughs> always half an hour away from playing like that again, in my mind. So... And I mean, judging by the way that England have played in this Ashes, you're probably more like 10 minutes, not half an hour. Well, we, we'll but... do another 67 all out again or yeah, something yeah. like it yeah. in the next yeah. two months, guaranteed. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Bruce McConaughey gets in touch. He said, shit, is the Springboks announcing their squad in a way only Keanu Reeves can understand? Yes. <laughs> yet, another, yes. yet another addition to the unnecessary rugby wank column alongside <sighs> calling substitutes, finishers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Powerfully agree, yes. MS says, shit, is Ireland's line out? Yes. Ding. Um, oh, long-time friend of the pod and supporter, Catherine Hopalong-Kavanagh, the Moorfields monoped, <laughs> gets in touch and says, um, shit, is the massively hot takes on Irish rugby and the Twitter country that's ensued as a result of it. Yeah, as we said at the top, it's never as good or as bad as bad. you think it is. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. it's still a pre-season. And that's what... It's pre-season. <laughs> All the fans, and I imagine the players, it's a pre well, however humiliating that result is, it still yeah. remains pre a preseason game. Yeah. Uh, Max Trail gets in touch. He said, Shit was Jacob Stockdale's woeful defense, rushing out the line uh, like a yes. headless chicken and opening up huge gaps for England to exploit. Yeah, I mean, you think you'd have learned after the third time, wouldn't you? But, um, yeah, and you, and equally Jordan Lama, to be honest, it's hard tackling at test level, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Do you know what though? What what should be slightly worrying for for Ireland fans maybe is um, the back end of Andy Farrell's England time. Oh yeah, was when Chris Ashton got dropped because he kept pegging it out of the defence exactly like Jacob Stockdale did mm. at the weekend, and I remember writing mm -hmm. something at the time. You know, it was a magnificent piece that thousands and millions of people read, obviously, that he's not going to be doing that off his own bat. That's the system. No. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Again, though, it was a pre-season game. Indeed. Machine gets in touch, and he says that Ben Youngs was shit. Yes, Stockdale's heart was shit. Shit. Yes. Yeah. And he said, but actually, no, actually, I disagree, Machine, because Ben Youngs must have been good because 157,000 awards Stephen Jones gave him 8 out of 10 in his player ratings. Said it was one of his best ever England performances. I mean, that is staggeringly wrong. Even by <laughs> Stephen Jones, is, yeah. he's literally wrong every time he fucking types anything. Standards, that's really wrong. He was awful. Another pearl of really this weekend bad. from Stephen Jones is that he, he, was, he basically said he disagreed with Ross Tucker's meticulous analysis of head injury data. 
Uh, some of the awards that Stephen Jones has got uh, degrees in biochemistry. <laughs> yeah, or, and sports science, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and sports yeah. science. Biomechanics, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, you can disagree with what you want to do about what the data says, but you, you can't, can't disagree with data. what the data says, which is, this is what the incidence is. You know, because he had a brilliant piece, Ross, about um, the more people get tackled, tack- there are more injuries when people tackle low because there are... More low tackles. Much more low tackles. It's like the car motorbike analogy. Mm. There's more car accidents, but it's far more dangerous to be on a motorbike, even though there's yeah. a lot less motorbikes. So actually, there you go. Anyway, mm. what else have we got here? We've done James Haskell's MMA. Finally, we've got oh, Graham Love. You've already mentioned him. Friend of the pod, Graham Love. He says, shit yeah. is Scotland's conceding the opening try for the sixth game in a row. It's also the third game in a row where the opposition have crossed the whitewash within two minutes. <laughs> and they keep, it's... And, and it's not just that. They keep conceding a lot more than that on average as well. On the average in four, con- con- four tries conceded per game this, this year. Yeah, it feels a long time since we talked about how actually Scotland's defence was really good. Mm. Because it's they're they're not what you'd call a first half team. They're, it's good that they're a second half team, but they they yeah. keep putting themselves in holes that they shouldn't have to get out of. Do you have any more shits? Uh, the, my last shit is just uh, Ross Byrne finally getting his debut for Ireland, and when is game. Joey Carberry fit again? <laughs> <laughs> I talked him up a bit in my preamble on Saturday, sort of saying, you know, nobody can doubt his minerals. And he was sort of Ulster game when he kicked that bloody last yeah. one minute penalty That's on one player. leg and all that. And actually, That's a good player. It, it, well, he, he's he's undoubtedly and correctly the third choice, but he's yeah. not a bad player. He's a more limited player than the other two, but he's mm. better than what he showed on Saturday. But then again, he's no different to his teammates there, is he? So No, no. I mean, he, he picked a bad game to have a debut in. Well, he didn't pick it, but <laughs> you know, mean, yeah. I guess I picked the wrong week to give up amphetamines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great. There you go. That's the Indeed. end of it. Two games to talk it about. It's still an hour and a half long. So isn't that I fun? I mean, yeah, we, be- we basically took the entirety of both games to talk <laughs> bollocks about them. But hey-ho. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll speak to you all uh, next week, I believe. Yes. Take care. Uh, yeah. Ta da. Bye. Oh, no. Is it everywhere? No. Sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans, need to get in the kitchen and calm down, or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.